group a group of soldiers god damn it a group of soldiers break into a young <laughs> you wanna you want I'll, I can cut that out you want to try try again <laughs> you keep it let's make it natural God, my mind's still on what we talked about. Um, a group of soldiers break into a young Hannibal Lecter's house and eat his sister to stay alive. Now grown up, Lecter proceeds to hunt down each of these men and make them pay for what they've done. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Luger. I'm Connor Zagari. And uh, welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bed. <laughs> all right now that i've buggled my way through uh we will be talking about 2007 psychological horror film and prequel in the somewhat long-running franchise, I know it's not long-running like a lot of horror franchises, but still kind of, um, Hannibal Rising, um, a film which, like many, 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 many horror prequels, said to audiences, you know what, we promise you a backstory on your horror villain that we all know you want. <laughs> We're giving it to you. Uh, like most of these prequels, audience and critics critics alike responded to that statement with a poor box office, over its budget, yes, but not by a whole lot, and uh, pretty terrible reviews. And I'll shoot it over to you now. Oh, yeah. Hannibal Rising is the black sheep of the Hannibal Lecter franchise. Uh, I don't know why they would prequelize again. I mean, we already had Red Dragon which I think was enough prequel for Hannibal Lecter, that they thought, no, no, let's go deeper. And what we got was a film that I'm pretty sure we're the first people to talk about since 2007. Uh, 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, 55% audience score. The critics' consensus reads, Hannibal Rising reduces the horror icon to a collection of dime store psychological traits. Yeah, turns out Lecter's not special. He's just crazy. Uh, this film does its best to undermine everything we've come to know about this guy over the course of three films, four if you count Manhunter. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, this was a film I remember like I watched it once because it was playing on um, like Showtime or something. And I thought, oh, you know what? It's Hannibal Rising. I'll check it out. I haven't seen it. And I remember, I, wa- I forgot what scene it was. I was watching a scene. I was sitting there going, I'm in the middle of the movie. This is pretty terrible so far. I'm just going to change it. And I did, and I never thought back on mm-hmm. ever watching this the whole way through after that moment. I never saw this until this show because it always just looked terrible to me. From the Even the poster looked almost like a parody of the Hannibal Lecter franchise. I remember seeing it in like playing in theaters when, when I went to see something else. It was like 2007 so it was like spider-man 3 or sweeney todd or something and i remember seeing hannibal rising on the marquee and thinking like huh and then i never thought about the movie again (laughs) so 
now I've seen it. I've cranked out the Hannibal Lecter franchise. I've seen them all. So, yay. <laughs> yay. Uh, I've now, as far as the Hannibal films, I've now, thanks to this podcast, seen movies rise all but um, the titled Hannibal movie. Um, so I still need to watch that. Well, and um, and Manhunter. Can't forget Manhunter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have one day you need to watch Manhunter. Um, I do before we get into the development era because I know you're a big fan. You really like this movie series and this character, especially. Oh no, what are your now you've seen it for the first time? Your initial thoughts before we really get into it on this particular installment, and also fun little thing for you. What does Lecter rank in the pantheon of horror villains for you? Interesting. Uh, well, the character of Hannibal Lecter uh, now has been played by four actors. We got Brian Cox, Anthony Hopkins, Gaspard Uliel, and Mads Mikkelsen. So I guess in where it ranks, where he ranks in the pantheon, he's definitely up there. And that's entirely due to Hopkins. Everyone else, you know, brings something to the table. Even Uliel, I guess, makes us know that, you know, young Lecter was hot. Great. Uh, but Hopkins really brought a menace and sophistication to this character that I don't think anybody else really had. Mickelson came close, but didn't quite capture the dual nature of like crazy and brilliant that Hopkins did. Um, yeah, he, he ranks pretty high for me. Uh, I, I think he's a brilliant character, which is why this movie kind of hurt to see him reduced to such a cliche. Uh, and then, uh, well, I'm sorry, what was the first part of your question again? Your initial My thoughts n- on initial this particular moment as a, as a mega fan. And yeah. then I can kind of, I'll tell you, minus someone who's finally getting into watching all these sequels <laughs> to this franchise. All right. So my initial thoughts are, this is a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> um, Thomas Harris, I think, was trying to sabotage this thing, and we'll we'll re- we'll talk more about why in a bit here. Um, I don't know why he's a samurai. I don't know why the mask came back into play. I'll have more on more to say on that later. Uh, it really his motivations for becoming a serial killer are pretty weak, and more so, there's a cop in France who knew about Lecter and was completely quiet during his entire killing spree when people were disappearing around him in America. I mean, it just, it opens so many holes that we don't need. And it doesn't feel like a Hannibal Lecter movie at all, but it's supposed to be, which is, which is the worst. So yeah. Initial thoughts are, uh, this sucked. Yeah. Most of mine pretty much as someone who's like a little bit nearer to these sequels, um, pretty much line up with you. You know, I've avoided this fear because I've heard pretty bad things about it. Um, and watching it really checking it out now. Yeah, it, to me, because this came out in 2007, so this was really when the height of the torture porn era of horror was happening. It almost feels like that's what they were going for, which is not what this series ever was at any point. Yes, it has horrific moments. Yes, it has its gory moments. But I, I stand that, like, the films always were relied more so on not showing you the gore so much like yes you still saw snippets and pieces of it here and there but it wasn't in your face it wasn't meant to be the the troll of the film whereas this one was like 
We got Gore always going to take the suit. You know what I mean? Like it put it a little bit yeah. more front and center. And like I said, it, it went with a sympathetic route for a villain who, to me, it doesn't. And like you said, there's so many plot holes and things that set up here that don't make sense in the grander scheme of your later sequels. Well, my biggest problem with this film really is that like Lecter was never an anti-hero. He was never supposed to be somebody to root for. You weren't supposed to sympathize with him. The, when we met Hannibal Lecter initially in like even in Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, that was what I'm going to primarily use here. When we met him, he was imprisoned for murdering and eating a number of people. And what, what we were mostly scared of with him was his ability to manipulate people, his ability to get into your head, get into everyone's head. And we liked him because we were scared of him almost. But we never, or at least I never thought, this guy, I, I'm glad he escaped. Like, good for him. Like, he doesn't, you know, he's somebody, he was never anybody to root for. Um, and Hannibal Rising just completely missed that point of the character. Like, he's a monster. He's a psycho. He's the bad guy. Yeah, because I remember at the end of, like, Silence, when, you know, the whole phone call happens and he tells Chris to get out. I remember first time I watched it, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, he's out. Yeah. And how did he get out? He carved up two cops and wore one's face to get out in an ambulance so yeah he's a he's a fucking monster yeah who apparently doesn't have an accent anymore when he's an adult after having yeah. an accent in this movie he's not um, he's not french anymore somehow <laughs> even though he's from what lithuania it, <sighs> it, and, you know, this is really, like, a larger problem I have when it comes to, like, it mostly happens to the slasher subgenre for probably than anyone else because they just tend to get, like, a lot of sequels. But the moment they get to the point where they're like, okay, let, we should probably start explaining why they're doing what they're doing. I'm like, oh, I don't give a fuck why they're doing what they're doing. Just give me the kills. Let's just be honest with ourselves. And I know, like, Silent Slams, I don't consider a slasher film by any means. But I'm saying with a lot of these villains, I don't give a shit. I just, I want to enjoy what's been get, giving to me at the moment. Um, and I could, you could make the argument about Hamill Lecter. It could be because of how he's portrayed. You could get away with doing a prequel of seeing how he got to where he was at or leading to the moment of his capture or something like that. Yeah. Which you kind of technically get in Red Dragon. You get that, how he got captured in Red Dragon. Yeah. So you could get away, but like to me, this one, and we'll get into it when we go into development hell. Um, this just like there was no thinking of like how how does this match up why how does any of this make sense in the grander scheme of our, our of our villain you know yeah yeah and i think what you know the way they got to do what they've kind of done in every movie is they have an additional bad guy who's even worse who's supposed to be even more evil than hannibal lecter you know you got buffalo bill mason verger and francis dollarhide and then in this one you've got uh whatever Reese Iffen's character's name is, I forget. Uh, I guess you got to have that counterbalance, but now since we don't have a hero like, you know, Clarice or Graham, Lecter becomes our hero, which is fucked up. Um, and yeah, I just, like you said, we got all the prequel info we needed with Red Dragon. This, this movie is not, we don't need this. <coughs> yeah. Um, I have I need to watch it. I haven't seen the show, but I've heard a lot of people say like how they do the because that's that's technically a prequel also because it takes place World War Science of the Lambs. But I've heard a lot of people say they like that portrayal 
of um Lecter quite a bit and how the the backstory we get on him there. But from what I understand, it actually lines up really well with what eventually would we see in Silence of the Lambs. From my understanding, I haven't seen it though. Hannibal the series kind of comb- it takes things from the Hannibal movie, Red Dragon, and Hannibal Rising. I can't do anything with Lambs because that's owned by a different studio. Uh, but it does craft its own origin story for Hannibal Lecter that does make sense. It takes elements from Hannibal Rising, and there's an episode of flashback where you kind of learn, you know, in the war, my sister was killed and all that. But it it never it doesn't go farther than that. Um, and the show is good. It's very psychologically jarring um i just don't like the guy who plays graham he's he, he always feels like he's about to cry uh but other than that I, M- mickelson does a very good job as lector and admittedly i do have like five episodes left i gotta finish that show off it's been a long time i would like to just end that uh but what i saw was mostly good okay maybe when uh some of the seasons of the shows i'm watching now finally and i'll i'll give it a shot watch it i just Right now, I got all these other shows that are currently airing. I need to finish. Yeah. So, gotcha. And eventually, it just looks like based off how Netflix is acting, I won't ever have Netflix to watch anymore. See, this is why I still buy physical copies of shit because there's always some kind of turmoil happening with one of these services. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to not be able to watch something. Well, I mean, look, quick side note for you, maybe if you don't try to crack down so hard on passwords, delete, cancel all of your animated like content in one fell swoop. Yeah, that was weird and rude. Yeah, and then proceed to just keep canceling all your shows that attempt to go past three seasons. Maybe you'd keep people on Netflix. Or if you'd give in and release your shows weekly like the other streamers are, you want to have those huge decrease drops after the first fucking weekend. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. That's for another day. <laughs> this thing is funny. Uh, unless you got anything else you'd like to add to this, we can. I can move on to development hell. Uh, I do want to point out that there is also the Clarice series, but I don't count that as part of a Hannibal Lecter franchise because they're not allowed to drop his name. So I don't know anyone that does. I haven't heard a single person be like, you got to check out this show. Everyone's like, uh, pass. Yeah, that's why I got canceled. Everyone's just watching Law and Order again. Where you lose hope, Law and Order's there to <laughs> keep you comforted. <laughs> All right, with that, let's talk about how this film got made. So, as you alluded to, Thomas Harris at first was actually not even interested in doing this. But Dino De Laurentiis pretty much the right end to make the film that I was involved in. Yeah. Like, I heavily hinted, whatever you want to call it, but he pretty much told me, like, if you don't do it, we're going to make it without your involvement. Which is why the book to this film was actually released two months before the film's release, because once Dionne Lernas made that threat, that's when Harris, who obviously is very invested in this character, I mean, it's, it's probably his most well-known book, very, you know, well-loved adaptation all that good stuff but you know i i want to fucking make sure that i do this so he was working on the script and the novel at the exact same time he was like concurrently writing both that's hilarious uh i wonder which one didn't get 
the attention it deserved because one of them did. You know that. Um, I've read Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. All three great books. I tried to read Hannibal Rising. It was terrible. So, yeah, this was a shameless cash grab, and Harris just wanted to make sure that if anybody's going to, anybody's going to, you know, tank this franchise, it's going to be him. You know, I took, I brought you into this world. I'm taking you out of it. That kind of vibe. This is my franchise. (laughs) Ride or die. He likes to keep it in the family like other actors. Oh, God. Yeah, he definitely keeps it in the family in the movie. That's for sure. Oh, oh. Yep. Um, I can say I haven't read the books. Um, I could not find anything that told me if there were any differences. So I'm assuming the book for this, because it was being made concurrently, probably isn't that far from the, the, the film that we got. I imagine he's just like, writing dialogue here writes the same dialogue on the other document <laughs> just doing that in different format i imagine that's what he was doing i too because i could not like look i can't imagine i'm fucking oh i'm gonna do it both at the same time to make sure you guys don't fucking make it without me oh you know it's funny exactly the same thing happened in 68 with 2001 a space odyssey arthur c clark wrote the book and the screenplay at the same time and yet that movie worked out <laughs> that's because stanley kubrick is a deranged genius it's like the best way to describe that man yeah i don't really care for 2001 but i i get why people do yeah i actually have not seen that because it's like oh do i really want to sit through that particular i don't know why that's like the one period where i'm just like oh, i really want to sit through this movie the how part which is like the most famous part of the movie is like 20 minutes in the middle of the film the rest of it is just wild crazy light sequences and very boring scenes of astronauts drifting. So, yeah. I was just like with Shining and Dr. Strangelove and um, Clockwork Orange. Well, who makes this film, right? So the ultimately in script, as we know, because we have a movie of it, gets completed and the book that you attempted to read gets completed. Um, but now, because this is a prequel of a young lector, that means, unlike Red Dragon, that attempted to try to tell us that there was not in now 11-year-old older Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> they had to actually find a younger actor because you can't fake Hopkins and, you know, his teens in early 20s at this time. They should have tried. They should have just given Hopkins any amount of money he wanted and had him play, like, 18-year-old Lecter and just have us suspend disbelief the whole time. I would have. Dude had a rough childhood if he looks like that at 18. Jesus. <laughs> well, that said, I do have quite a list of those they considered and screen tested, which means somewhere on the either, there's footage Ooh. for the role. And I say that because at least three of these names are going to make you uh, make a face. So I'm going to say those three for last. Um... So starting in my weird order, you have Rupert Friend. 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 Yeah, I don't care for him. I think he's a shitty actor. Yeah, you were, he was considered Dominic Cooper, um, mm. Tom Sturridge, Tom Payne. And then these are the Jesus. three. Jesus yeah, Tom Payne? Huh. Yes. But here's the three that make you go, what? The ones that made you do a double take. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> 
Macaulay Culkin. Oh my god. Well, actually, you know what? Hmm. All right, you know what? I can get behind Culkin. Actually, you know, I gotta say this. I've seen him in the recent season of um, American Horror Story because he's been making a return to acting, and he was actually really good in it. Yeah. Oh, so, there's credit. And then the final one, you, you might get a laugh out of this one. Hugh Nancy. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, the guy who would go on to play Will Graham in the critically acclaimed and now cult favorite show, Hannibal. That's hilarious. Oh my God, he would have just made Lecter look sad and lonely. Um, Hayden Christensen, I think, is the one that makes me laugh the most there because he had just finished a run of shitty prequels where he was he played a fan beloved character that people did not like the portrayal of. So no. doing that again probably didn't didn't uh, sound great. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, look how long it took took the kid like him to convince him to come back to Star Wars. You imagine if he was the guy who fucked up Darth Vader and Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Not that I think he fucked up Vader, but um, I'm one of those people who's come around on the prequels quite a bit, but a lot of people haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't, but I don't blame a lot of him. I actually blame shitty um, direction and script writing. No one's going to make I don't like sand a compelling <laughs> bit of dialogue. It's just a shitty bit of dialogue. <laughs> Yeah, so I will say this. I haven't come around at all, but I don't blame him. I, now that I'm older, I can be like, he's working with what he had. Like, it was just, it was terrible writing. I, I'll say it. I don't think George Lucas is a great director. No, we, we did say that. We did a whole episode about how much we don't think that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> all the good Star Wars films, he didn't direct. Not talking about sequels for anyone comes at, at me on that one. Um, yeah. The original trilogy one, right? Thank Irvin Kirshner and thank Richard Marquand. Yes. And then as we saw with Indiana Jones, the one time that Spielberg said, you know what, George? Write whatever you want, and I will do that. We saw how that turned out. <laughs> to the space between spaces. It amazes me. It's like, oh, so all the times you tell him, like, dude, no. Like, this is what we need to do. Your Indiana Jones films came out great. And the one time... The one time you're like, you know what, George? Go ahead. Have at it. You know, we're best friends. We started writing a movie together and you gave a really shitty idea. I hope I'd respect you enough as a friend to tell you it was a shitty idea. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope that if I turn something like that, I'd be like, why is there fucking aliens in this movie? Because alien, it's Indiana Jones, dude. <laughs> Unless there's aliens involved, George, unless there's aliens or teenagers involved, Lucas doesn't know how to how to write it. Even then, he doesn't know how to write that. <laughs> shit. Ah, well, I've never an opportunity Graffiti. to shit on George Lucas. I haven't seen American Graffiti. I want to say that right now. I have heard it's really good, but I haven't seen that. If you've seen Dazed and Confused, you've seen American Graffiti. Never mind. I've seen Dazed and Confused, and I really like that movie, so I feel like I'm probably good then. Any movie about teenagers meeting up and talking about shit the last day of school is exactly the same. They party one last time. Usually when they're seniors, so they're partying one last time, and then they realize, oh, shit, high school's over. Because we all have that moment. We all have it. We're yeah. like, oh, shit, high school's over. Like, it's it's life now. It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's Unless you do what I do and just stay in college for a decade. 
Man, wow, got it. <laughs> well, as anyone who's seen this film know, none of those actors pop up in this movie as Hannibal. You know, I I would have actually been down to see Hayden Christian or Kelly Culkin because why the fuck not? Um, if your movie's gonna be nonsensical, take it to the max. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah. To, to quote Shia LaBeouf, just do it now. Ultimately, it would go to the one that we do see, uh, and at the time, young, now, unfortunately, you know, uh, deceased, late actor, Gaspard Uliel. Yeah. Make sure I really say this right, because I'm not good with born last names, even though my last name is born. I was born in Texas. Conundrum. Uh, Based off his performance in the French film, A Very Long Engagement. Daniel Day Laurentius and some other producer buddies, the same ones that said, hey, we're going to do this movie uh, without you if we have to, Mr. Harris. They watched this French film. They went, hey, that's our guy. That's our Hannibal. And uh, they they went with that. That's who they picked. I know when I was watching Lambs and Hannibal and Red Dragon and thinking, I wonder if when Lecter was a young lad, he was also French for some reason. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be taken into account, right? I mean, the character's accent. I. What's funny is that it sounds like they were on that path to like, okay, let's look at all these American and British actors. And then they were like, no, this guy in the French one was like, well, wait. It'd be one thing if he was established enough at that time to get rid of the accent and it would have been fine. Yeah. But this was like his first or second English language film, so it's like he, yeah. he's not going to be able to get rid of that accent. No matter how hard you try, like you just can't do that at that point. Um, and to anybody who who's like thinking, you know, oh, but Mads Mikkelsen had an accent. It's like, yeah, he does, because that's a different imagining of the character. And he can have as many accents as he wants, because it's not Anthony Hopkins. This was supposed to be a young version of Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter. Which is yeah. why it's so irritating. And for those who are still going to fight that, trust me, I got more on that on why it is a young version of Anthony Hopkins on his preparation. So, ha. <laughs> so, to continue with that, uh, to back you up, to understand the character, uh, Uliel watched Silence of the Lambs, obviously, to observe Anthony Hopkins' performance and add it to his own uh, doing it with that, you know, he t- would take it upon him. Shit. Sorry. So he would take little details from that, you know, obviously from Hawkins' performance and add it to his character. So, yes, that's why it's like Connor said, whereas Matt Pilkson was doing a, essentially a reinvention of the character. Yeah. Not as portrayed by Anthony Hopkins in that universe of it. This was very much like, no, this is in line with. The, the movies you've seen already, the three films that have come out prior, he's watching Silence and Lambs religiously, picking out parts of the performance he likes and adding it to his character, to his take on Hannibal. So this is very much like us seeing what a young, as portrayed by Anthony Hopkins, like Hannibal is like. I do love that his prep was just watching Silence of the Lambs. Like he did as much effort as I did. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah i'll watch the first movie great 
I mean, he could have probably done a little bit more. But yeah. <laughs> he did do some. There's more preparation I actually have. Oh. Yes. Not really it's Hopkins though, so don't 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 get too excited. Um, so first he took it upon himself, like the trained thespian he was, to learn how to fight with real swords. Wow. Training from uh, Miss Gong Lee. Interesting, because that really does not come up in the movie at all, except for one brief moment where they're fighting with sticks. I'll bring that up. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, it's coming down later. Um, also, the director, Peter Reber, sent him off to medical, uh, medical, medical school. I cannot talk tonight. In Prague to attend a real autopsy so he can see what it's like bodies really look like when they're cut up. Okay. Yeah. Still feel like they're going bare minimum here on preparation. Yeah. Well, that's all you have for preparation. That, those were the three things he did. That makes sense. I, it, you can tell in the performance. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll get more into it. And I feel like. If there's ever an episode, I know we say it all the time, there's always those episodes where it's like, man, if we get famous, we're just we're gonna get destroyed by this episode. I feel like this is gonna be one of those episodes when I get to first performance. Well, just because he's dead doesn't mean he was a great actor. There's, you can you could say that. What if I you doubled down immediately on the statement? Yeah. I, I I will triple down. Yeah. I I believe that. Just just because you're dead does not mean everything you did in life is canonized. That's not how it works. No, that's why there's a certain someone on my worst performance. Um, but apparently, we are in the minority here because all that preparation was the one thing that paid off with the critics on this film because he apparently got uh, praise across the board from critics. That's the horse shit. I, I don't know what they were smoking, but no. He's at the very bottom. When I'm, If I'm ranking like Hannibal Lecter on screen, he's at the very bottom. Yeah, I I saw that before I watched it. Like I was looking it up, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Sounds like he does really good. So I only remember that one little snippet I watched. So I was like, "Okay, maybe you know, I'll see how it does." As I'm watching, I'm like, "I don't understand where these critics are seeing." I'm not like I'm not seeing it. I'm not saying like he's not terrible. It's just, this isn't Hannibal Lecter. Like this is not in line with what has been established for the past three films. Nope, not at all. And that's that's where it that's the breaking point for me is like, you're not reinventing the character here. You're supposed to be playing a younger version of the character. We've come to, you know, fear and kind of respect over the course of three films. And uh, you didn't. So that's the end of it for me. <laughs> yeah. Again, like you said, Matt, Matt Mickelson got away with it. Cause that wasn't them trying to, do a portrayal based off Anthony Hopkins' performance that was, we are now doing a new version of the character of Hannibal Lecter and yeah. a new take on it, so you gotta put his own little stamp on the character itself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you can probably argue knowing Mads Mikkelsen, he probably did watch the movie still to get an idea of like what you probably wanted to take from Anthony Hopkins, so I, I won't doubt he did his own research into like what he wanted to take from him. Yeah, probably. I mean, Silence of the Lambs. It's one of those films that I imagine every working actor has seen. It's a, you know, it's a classic. Yeah. Um, with that, though, 
this portrayal would not translate as far as it's the praise would not translate to the rest of the film um as for the rest of the film critics pretty much destroyed it as you said the six percent upon release and fans have pretty much routinely considered this the worst of the franchise i don't hear many people ever place this at top um i don't know any fans that have it as a guilty pleasure sequel as other frank horror franchises tend to have right like friday 13th right um so like they tend to have guilty pleasure sequels for a lot of people um not this one like it's almost a crossword like this is literally the worst and the fact that we haven't even had a new movie since this came out tells you all you need in the sense of like yeah it like you could argue to effectively kill the cinematic franchise that was going on well that but also like where else could they go i mean they had four books they made four movies and anything else is just going to feel like cash grab or not going to make any sense. And Hopkins was definitely not coming back. So with that, I mean, best you can do is TV, I guess. Yeah. Well, and think about like, and this isn't the other thing is the fact that think about like, you know, you're in trouble if you're doing a, another prequel after you've already done a prequel, like you're in trouble at that point in your franchise. It makes me laugh because that's exactly what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. Yeah, they keep doing that. <laughs> they had the beginning, and then they did Leatherface. Like, uh, okay. And yeah, look how that happened. We didn't get one for a while after Leatherface. They were like, oh, okay. <laughs> they, they, they hopped on the Legacy sequel bandwagon. To what, would you, what would you say to a Elm Street prequel? Like, Freddy, but he was just a guy. Maybe. It'd be hard because, I mean, if you're going to go for it, you're going to have some pretty, like, horrific stuff that you're going to have to address because it's dealing with someone that, like, kills and in some versions, you know, depending on what they want to go with it, diddles children. Yeah, Freddy's a, a kitty diddler and a, and a murderer. I mean, that's never yeah, so a secret. So. Yeah, like, you're going to get into some pretty, like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like, how do you get away Obviously, I'm not expecting them to fucking show it. I don't want to see that shit. But, like, that's something you got to, like, keep in mind. Like, you're making it so we're like, I don't know. It would be interesting, but at the same time, I feel like it would be difficult because of the, the subject matter. Well, Freddy wouldn't be our hero. I mean, he'd be the bad guy. So our hero would be like, you know, I don't know, Nancy's mom or somebody. So, like, you'd have, you know, a good guy to follow. Freddy wouldn't be our anti-hero. He's like, I, you know, he diddle kid, diddles kids, but he, like, saved somebody once. Like, none of that shit. Like saved, he walked an old lady across the road, so he's not that bad of a guy, guys. <laughs> he saved some teenagers from Jason, kind of because <laughs> well, he wanted to kill them, yeah. But that part wouldn't be in the news, would it? <laughs> it's not about what you know, it's about what you can prove, anyway. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I will say in the in the 2010 remake when they kept doing that stupid shit of like. Maybe he molested. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was wrongly accused. When they kept doing that, throughout the movie, I was like, "Shut the fuck up! Like, just go for it, okay? Like, he, you're dealing with a child molester." I have blocked out the Elm Street remake. I, I saw it one time. I don't remember it at all because I was like, "This is so fucking horrendous. I'm never going to think about this again." And uh, I've stayed true to that. So it's going to have. It's going to take this show to get me to watch that again. Well, there is October still coming up, and I have been saving some heavy hitting horror. Bad, bad, heavy hitting horror for October. Yeah, I had a feeling. I'm not saying that'll be on there this year, but it, I, it's up, it's up there when it comes to heavy hitter bad horror films. Yes, yes, it is. So, 
I'm just saying, be prepared. I, I, I don't know if you've seen my schedule. I think I have one other horror film right now planned. Yeah. And, we got a lot of weird shit. Yeah, besides that, I'm, I'm really trying to save October to go all in on the bad horror films. You know what sucks? On paper, Jackie O'Haley sounds like a perfect Freddy Krueger. I liked him. I'm going, I will fucking die in hell about how I thought his performance was fine. He just got handed a terrible script, terrible makeup job, ter- terrible everything, but I liked him. Yeah, see, I don't remember. I, I like him a lot as an actor. I love him in Watchmen. I, I want to see him succeed. So, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll watch it again when we do it. Yeah. I mean, you have to for the show. <laughs> that I actually don't have anything else on the, on the development home for this film. Um, there wasn't really any major issues. Like I said, the most thing was the whole threat, essentially the threatening of doing it without Harris's involvement. Um, and then the hunt for a new lector and what Uliel... Uh, did to get into character and the eventual uh, release reception. That's all I wonder. I, I wonder if this would have been better if Harris had not been involved. Like, do you think he was resentful and like intentionally shit out a movie because he's just like, you know, fuck you guys for making me do this? <laughs> Maybe um, this could be a case. It's tough, right? Because sometimes, like, we we've seen it before or we have these franchises that to me they die because the, they just will not let the creator won't let it go. Um, we kind of seen it very on a big scale here with the fantastic beast movies, right? Cause yeah. JK Rowling was admin about doing this. Um, since we've already talked about goddamn Freddy Krueger going down cheapest creepers route. Um, you know, we've seen how that franchise has died based off, not just, you know, all, obviously a certain directors. Um, I won't, I will be kind enough to not name him for those who don't want me to do that. Yeah, um, the diddler. We'll just say that the real one, yeah. not Krug, but the real one. Yeah, um, off you know his heinous crimes, but I mean he would not let that fucking franchise go to the point that Jeepers Creepers Three fucking sucked. It really dug a hole for that franchise, and now they're having to work overtime with this upcoming one. That, as far as I know, is this year, but we still have yet to see any fucking material for it. Um, but they're having to work overtime to make sure people know, like, hey, he's not involved with the movie. We finally got away from him. This is a brand new film without his involvement. If you'd like, I can say that it's probably not going to come out, and that might expedite its release, as we've seen on the preview. Right? What if you say that? And as soon as I get done recording, I get on. There's like, hey, trailer for the new cheapest creepers. I'm just like, god damn. I don't so, think there's going to be a Jeepers Creepers 4 this year. It probably isn't going to work out. There. there was like the, what if it's like the one thing that you're actually right on? They're like, oh, we, we dropped the movie. I'm going to be like, I hate you so much. <laughs> but uh, to answer question, like, I think possibly. I think I think sometimes having a new person that at least, lo- obviously one that loves the franchise, that's really keen on this, can breathe fresh life. Like I said, we're, we're about to see that hopefully seeing what the new cheapest creepers having fans i've taken it away from that guy saying look we want to do it and we want to add a new life to it so it's possible i would have loved to have seen what ted tally did you know considering he wrote silence of the lambs and red dragon so he knew i think he knew lector cinematically better than anybody so i would have loved to have seen his take on something like this mm-hmm. oh. yeah 
Um, so yeah, it I think it would have been more interesting to not pull that on Harris. So the part could have been better. Um, but it also sounds like from the beginning the the producers were rushing this to get out. So I don't I it just, it just kind of felt like there wasn't as much slow put into this one. Whereas like when I was looking into like Red Dragon for an episode, it felt like from what I was saying is like they really they took the reception to Hannibal said, okay, what can we do to like fix what people didn't like? And that's how they approached it. And then we got the movie that we got, which was a bigger financial success for them, better positively uh, reviewed, like blah, 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 right? Yeah. Whereas now it's like the complete opposite here to me. It's like, oh, people want it. We got to make it. It's going to get us money. Let's make it. You don't want to do it? We'll get someone else, man. It's cool with us. We don't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's like, it was just like, look, we just want to get this because we know we're going to make money off it. There, there's, there's no passion when I was looking at behind the scenes um, that I got from reading behind the scenes on this. Yeah. So much of what we, what we talk about on this show specifically is just, you know, cash grabs that didn't work out. It's a, it's a, most of ba- most bad movies are that are made for the wrong reasons and it shows. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, unless you have any, else you would like to add no, this isn't our most in-depth development hill well nothing beats the nothing i could fucking get for the pyramid apparently no one wants to know how that film was made uh-huh. you gotta dig you know you gotta dig up some some new info you gotta reach out to people like hey why did you make this shit movie any thoughts <laughs> look mr uh, mr aja you're a pretty beloved uh horror figure why did you feel the need to put your name on this movie answer me now oh god yeah good times yeah um but yeah um let's move on to our awards for the evening or day whenever you're listening to this really um first up as always is zach snyder um he was nice enough to share us pictures from his upcoming movie i know you're excited about that mm. In the worst, or as we like to call it, the worst scene. Uh, so there's a, uh, as has been the norm for quite a lot of our episodes on across the whole spectrum of our shows, uh, there's a weird incest subplot in this movie. Uh, where Hannibal really wants to bang his hot Japanese aunt. And uh, at one point, they start making out and... Uh, then they just kind of go their separate ways. So my my worst scene is the, the scene where uh, Hannibal and his hot Japanese aunt just start making out yeah. after like a movie's worth of weird sexual tension. Yes. What's weird is that it's not just Hannibal. Like it starts to like she starts to want to fuck him as well. Like they are both wanting to fuck each other. Yeah, she doesn't seem that bothered by the fact that he you know left a human head on a shrine as a gift for her. That never really yeah. comes up again. She's like, you got to stop this. You're going to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> now make love to me. <laughs> it, uh, it, look, I know in this case, technically he's probably an aunt through marriage because uh, Hannibal is not Japanese. We don't know what the fuck Hannibal is. But, is he English? Is he Lithuanian? Is he French? He could be Japanese. We don't fucking know. We do. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, just the simple fact that he went to her because she's family. He still considers her family. And then it's like, well, I kind of want to bang you. It's like, oh, just the, 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 the slight hint of incest still in the air. 
There's a whiff. There's an unpleasant scent in the air. And <laughs> unfortunately, I know what that scent is because it's been on like a good chunk of the movies we've been watching lately. Yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of tired of it. Can we stop? It's not even our, we're not like, we're not picking these movies because of incest. We'd never seen this before. We didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't know. It started happening. I remember I almost thought about texting me and like, well, incest has made its way into our show again. Yep. God damn it. God. And what's creepy is that like, she, I would argue, was like way more, like she really wanted his dick. Because like at one point she's like, towards the end, she's like, come with me, Hanwell. I love you. Don't leave me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like you, you latched on to your like nephew there big time, didn't you? Well, doesn't he kind of look like his uncle? Isn't that what it's all about? She's so. she's lusting after that that lector dick. That's what it is. Yeah, which in that case makes that whole slight incest even creepier because it's like you're doing it because he looks like your dead husband. You, you, that's weird. Yeah, it's it's all weird. Uh, the fact there's even like you know. A, a weird Japanese through line with this film where he's like learning the way of the samurai and all this. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, well, now that you bring that up, that's a good segue for my pick. Because <laughs> I put Hanwell getting the random sword firing training that never pays off in this film or any of the prior films that I watched. Yeah. I haven't seen Hanwell, but I'm assuming it's not fucking in there either. Here, there is no sword fight in Hannibal. <laughs> I almost had that, and then he kissed his aunt, and I'm like, oh, there we go. But, yeah, good call. Like that, I did. I almost put that down, and then he put some hot lip-on-lip action with his Japanese aunt, and I was like, yep, that's the same. That's what I'm going with. Nothing beats making out with family. (laughs) Men Diesel would know. Those are the Uh, rules. (laughs) Never turn your back on family. (laughs) Uh. <sighs> yeah, sword fighting. It's random. It, it has no payoff in this movie, no payoff in the rest of the series. I don't understand why it was in there. I was I literally I sat there and I think I paused the movie to be like, why am I watching him learn martial arts right now? <laughs> it it reminded me of like like some like Thomas <coughs> Harris while he was writing this had like Batman Begins on in the background and was just like <laughs> started kind of molding it together. <laughs> and he realized when oh shit, but never took out the scene. It's like ah, whatever. He doesn't care. And then, yeah, and apparently when they shot and edited this film, no one thought to take the scene out. They're like, this is a brilliant scene. Keep it. Yeah, I don't think there were a lot of second takes in this production. This seems like they just wanted to get this in the can as quickly as possible. Just maybe. Next one, the Ed Wood verse line. What did uh, what what do you have? It was actually hard for me to pick one because most dialogues aren't that terrible, but yeah, it's a little cheesy. There's a lot of like you know fulfill your destiny bullshit. Like yeah. oh, your destiny to be a psycho serial killer and <laughs> yeah. Also, you know what's funny about that? We just watched the Northland, which is so much dialogue about Destiny, but it makes sense in that goddamn movie. So it's like, yeah, Destiny, you fucking go, Omelith. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Hannibal, you must murder terrible flautists in the Baltimore Orchestra. It's your destiny. Um, but yeah, I had I one. 
I had one um, line. Hmm? I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, fill your destiny, big guy. <laughs> one line because it was it was redundant. And it was like, yeah, we get it. You don't need to hammer it home. It's when he's uh I just got what what's the guy's name? Uh Reese Iffen's character. It's gonna it's gonna bother me. It's like gutless or something like that. It's probably not it. Uh, gutless. Uh Grutus. I was close. <laughs> gutless. No, it Gutless works if he was like Brutus the Gutless, then yes. But uh, Gutless is not a name. I, it was actually Gutless is the name of Glenn Close's character in Hook. So suck on that. Anyway, I'm Brutus. I'm going to do a three hour episode on Hook. That was a fun, that was, that was a fun episode. Uh, it's when he's carving up Brutus's chest and he's carving an M and he takes so long to carve that M and then he goes, M for Misha. Like, yeah, we get it. We know. <laughs> you don't need, we're not idiots. We know what the M's for. And the delivery is like, ha. It's like he's trying to do that, the Hannibal hiss, but it just comes off as ridiculous. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Line, de- line delivery there was not good. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I had only one as well because. One, because most of the dialogue made me go, ah, okay, whatever. And also, I kind of got to a point where I was in all the movies. I was like, God, this is fucking bad. I was checking the time a lot. I was like, oh, we haven't hit the hour yet? Oh, fuck me, huh? Like, I don't usually, like, if I'm into a movie, I won't pause or, you know, do something else. I pause this thing four times to get, like, snacks or go check something. Like, I, there wasn't a lot of investment here. I was, Yeah. With that, I was able to get one line towards the beginning. Um, after shortly after Hannibal stabs a dude in the hand for trying to hit him, um, and he goes to I'm assuming the print, whatever they want to call it in this multicultural country that he lives in. Yeah. Um, which I have a whole thing about how like he ends up there in his house and like it's, it's a whole lot crushed with that. Um, especially since it's hinted that that is his house and they built on it. Yet he's like of low stand and whatever. Point is, uh, the principal figure of this school tells Hannibal, Hannibal, you do not honor the human pecking order. You're always hurting the bullies. Yeah, that was a weird line. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, that's a weird line. Two, now I'm getting insanely right because I have a whole, I have a big issue with uh, in general, kind of getting big frame here outside the movie. The fact that we still live in a world where you can bully someone all fucking names when the bully will not get in trouble. The moment you fight back, you get in trouble. I always have, have had an issue with that in our school system and yeah. teaching parents. Because I'm sorry, you're getting bullied, beat the shit out of that bully, and you shouldn't get in trouble. Like, Jesus Christ, when I was going to have your fucking back, defend yourself. Um, but yeah, just the, the hearing that, it's like, well, the guy was like, fucking with them and won't leave them alone and try to hit them like <laughs> from the bully's perspective though why would why do you keep bullying the kid who keeps stabbing you like yeah. just pick somebody else like right. you're not getting through to the kid who stabbed you in the hand with a fork just yeah weird yeah. and also if like i said they say like oh it must be weird this is your parents house if that's the case why is he even getting bullied he and you're going to bring up a human pecking order if you're hinting that this was where his house once stood, by that regard, if you're a stupid human pecking order, he should be top fucking dog. It's his land. 
Yeah, there was. I guess there's no way to prove it, but they all know he's Hannibal Lecter. So, how does that work? Like, what when inheritance wise? Like, yeah, he should he should own all of that. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want to bring up even pecking order? Then, by especially the hand will be actually the real one we know in the prior films. Yeah, he should have been top dog. You're nothing to him. But also, this is Soviet Russia, and. Everything belonged to the state. This is true too. It's just yeah. it's it's really weird in regards to like other line of dialogue. Just yeah, of course he hurt the guy trying to fucking assault him. Of course. And just like I said, just it just got me rags the bigger issue I feel about in general with like at least America. I can't speak for foreign countries here. Yeah. But with America's take on never punishing the bully, but the moment the bullied fights back they get punished and it just pisses me off the line of like you know you're disrespecting the 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 pecking order that that's such a weird thing to say like why are you like it's not your job to pick on people that's their job it's your job to take it like yeah what (laughs) yeah and it it actually is extra it extra pisses me off because i'm thinking oh okay well this is set up for him to go get the bullies like cool no Literally never at any point does he get his like revenge on these people. It's just it's trapped. As soon as he leaves, it's trapped. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I was thinking like, oh, first blood, but nope. Took a while. Yeah. Good call. With that, I've had my quick little soapbox moment. <laughs> the uh, Steven Seagal worst performance. Gaspard Uliel. I have the same guy. <laughs> I know Hannibal Lecter, sir, and you, sir, are no Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look, all like look, RIP, you know, to uh to the slate actor, but not does not mean I'm giving him a free pass and I didn't like his performance in this movie. So no. he's outrageous, he's ridiculous, he's over the top, and he just feels like some emo douchebag. He doesn't feel like doc like you know, Hannibal Lecter. At all, like this is not the Chesapeake Ripper, I believe his name was called in the show. Yeah, no, this is just some asshole. <laughs> I don't, I don't like him. I don't. Yeah, he's not endearing. He's not sympathetic. He's just weird and off-putting, and not in a good way, like Hopkins Lecter was. Yeah, no, this is this taking like it's just weird. It doesn't feel like what we know him to be in the other films. Um, having him just like first off, you saw him out mute. Then when he finally talks, whenever he does talk, it's not this sophisticated. And I get it, like I, he's he. This is a young Hannibal, so I could take it if he's not sophisticated. There's not even hints of like how he talks in this film to how he talks in like the later films, right? The prior films, I should really say, but later in the storyline. No. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's this is very much like he just spouts one-liners and he's always angry and. None of them know he's about to kill them. Whereas in the other one, he other films, this is a guy that plays with your mind. He does mind tricks and he he has a smugness to him because he thinks he's always the, he thinks he's the smartest person in the room, or he, he he knows he's the smartest person in the room. Yeah, and you know none of that is in this performance. None of it at all. It's infuriating and really kind of puts you off with the rest of the movie. Like this whole thing hinges on. We need a lector we can believe in almost. And this is not 
I mean, you know, we could, we could have had Anakin Skywalker, but this is what we got. We could have gotten Home Alone, but this is what we got. We could have gotten Hugh Dancy and his whininess, but no, we had to get Gaspard Uliel and his obnoxious French take on Lecter. He is hot, so. That is what, uh, I guess, there's a whole, yeah, as when I was looking through Letterboxd for our What's in the Box, there's so much of the, of the reviews that just say Lecter was hot. Like, no, it's not the, you're not supposed to want to fuck serial killers. God damn it. Why do I, I feel like this is not the first time I've had to say this. <laughs> no, bad, down. God. Bundy wasn't hot. Lecter's not hot. Stop it. Uh, well, really, we're going to say Bundy wasn't, you're really going to say, look at Bundy. He was a handsome man. Bundy was a creepy looking motherfucker. No, he looked like Dennis Reynolds on crack. He's not, he's not attractive. All right. Look, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. Oh my God. I don't see how anybody would get in that guy's car. He must have been, he must have had game. Yeah, look at him. I would get out of his car. I don't even speak for that team. <laughs> uh, you, you do you. That note, um, I can't think of a way to segue out of this one. Oh, the Michael Bay first filmmaking decision. Oh, this was easy. The unnecessary backstory of the mask. Okay. The mask, iconic, yes. You know why he wears it in Silence of the Lambs? It's so he doesn't bite anyone's fucking face off. It's got nothing to do with heritage, tradition. It's just a mask to block his mouth from getting on somebody's fingers. And somehow they decided to turn that into some kabuki shit that is like him turning into the monster. It was completely unnecessary and pointless and stupid, and it really pissed me off. Yeah, it made zero sense to like... I hate all these prequels, and a lot of them do it. Like, uh, Death on Now did, where we got a whole prequel, like a backstory on his fucking mustache. And I'm like, why do you guys keep thinking I want meaningless fucking backstory on something I didn't give a shit about to begin with? You know, the biggest one for me was it was from Solo. It was the dice on the Millennium Falcon, like, dash that I never noticed one time watching Star Wars. I never noticed there were dice up there. So why would I give a fuck about the origin story of some set dressing? Yeah. What was it? Uh, Texas Chance Massacre at the beginning. We get to see why uh, Grandpa was in a wheelchair. And I remember thinking, I didn't give a shit to begin with. It is, like, at least, like, that scene was brutal and gory as fuck, so I had, like, some payoff for my gorehound ass to enjoy. But, like, besides that, I'm like, I didn't even know this. I didn't give a shit why he was in a real... I never once went, huh, what happened to his legs? <laughs> yeah. It is weird the decision, like what they it what they latch onto in prequels. Like instead of giving us like decent character development, they're always like, remember that thing that you saw that one time? I bet you're itching to know where that came from, even though it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, and I'm like, nope, I don't I don't care. But another thing I don't care about for mine, another thing we can rant about with these horror films in this case, is it and my my personal decision is attempting to make one of horror's most iconic villains sympathetic. Yeah, Just going back to that wall of saying, "Hey, this scary fucking monster you got." Here's why: he was a sad, lonely boy. 
that just wanted friends and no one liked him. And then he murdered people. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of that at all. Like, Jason, like, okay, Jason Voorhees, all I know about him is he drowned. He was a disfigured kid. He drowned, so cancels could have sex. Therefore, henceforth, after they killed his mom in the first movie, he came back to murder. And guess what? It works perfectly fine. I need nothing else beyond that. <laughs> I like Jason as a character. I like what he's doing. I like his goal here. I enjoy watching it film after film. Yeah. Anytime you try to go beyond that and give me more, I'm like, no. No. Yeah. Bad. No. Yeah. Look at, you know, Mr. Fredward Kruger. All we knew was he was a diddler. He murdered. He was killed. Comes back in dreams. Okay. Good. Chucky. Psycho badass. Crazy dude. Got put in the body of a doll. Continues to kill. Cool. I don't need to know, like, was Charles Lee Ray abused as a child? Did he, like, have a childhood love who abandoned him or anything? Quick side note on that one. Yeah. The show does do backstory, but to their their credit, I'm going to tell you right now, from once, it's not he was an abused child. It was literally, he's always been evil. Okay. They just show that as a kid, he was literally just always evil. It's actually, like, I'm going... I remember when they were doing it at first, I was like, oh, fuck. And then, like, when they did the reveal, and I was like, okay. I like it. Okay, I like that. Okay, he's always been bad. We're not going down like, oh, yeah. No, he's a fucking evil dude. Like, remember when we found out Michael Myers was abused white trash that just one day stopped talking? (laughs) Yeah, really hurt the character's mystique. Where I get why Rob Zombie was trying to do something different. I, I wasn't on board with it. Yeah, no, it's annoying. Like, I'm waiting to see, like, a prequel where we find out, like, Jigsaw lost the science fair with his engineering God. project in high school, and it never, he never got over it. <laughs> oh, God. That's what the reverse bear trap was. That was his high school science project, and he held I, on to I, that for decades. <laughs> as much as I love the Soul series. We've already had enough stupid fucking backstory on like the 20 goddamn secret apprentices that he had. Just don't go back in time anymore on Saw, guys. For the new one that's supposed to be coming out at some point, I don't know when. Um, do not go back for the love of God. I want a, I want a full-blown prequel of John Kramer in high school, but I want it to be Tobin Bell under so much makeup to make him look young. No, I want it to be a completely different ethnicity and gendered actor. So then I can sit there and go like, how the fuck did he become? Or no, how did she become Jigsaw? Interesting. I want John Kramer to be played, a young John Kramer to be played by Kerry Washington. And I want them to never address it. Somewhere along the line, <laughs> she became Tobin Bell. Kerry Washington just randomly adopts an accent for no reason. And she's like Scottish or something. Like John Kramer, huh? Okay. I can get on board with this. <laughs> it's just, yeah. That's what they did to Lecter. They made him a Frenchman with no range. And it's it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, they ate his sister. That sucks. We've all been there. But it's no, uh, okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous, you know, and horrible and monstrous but also like why does that translate to i'm gonna be i'm gonna eat the whole world 
because this happened to me. And that, yeah, that was my thing. I was like, okay, look, like, don't get me wrong. Like, that's, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to go down a storyline that involved uh, his very precocious looking little sister get killed and eaten by maniacs. And then hinted, you know, revealed at the end that they fed his sister to him as well without telling him, like, holy fuck. Um, but that, to me, that storyline, like, they did a piss poor job trying to make that translate to now that's why he goes out and eats the ward. Because you've established that he was actually pretty close to his sister. He loved his sister. He was horrified at what happened. So, if anything, the story translates more to why he wouldn't eat people and why he would absolutely go after these people and kill them. Like, right there, like, it's very hard for me to sit there and watch this go, like, okay, that makes sense. I get why he's totally eating, like, all these fucking people. It's like, no, I would think after that you would be averted to wanting yeah. to be a cannibal after being told you just got fed your fucking little sister. Well, we see him eat people, like, you know, take bites out of people, but it's like out of spite. We never see him get a taste for human flesh. You know, we never see him get a taste for long pig. And that's kind of Hannibal's whole thing is, you know, he eats, he kills the rude, he processes them and he eats their bits just like out of spite and for the flavor. And we never see that side of Dr. Lecter, which no. is annoying. Cause like we want to know how he became a like world renowned psychiatrist. Also, you know, he, that we never see that either. never see him explore psychology at all. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's, 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 it's irritating. Well, that's why I say like, I feel like there is a, in, at least for this character, there is a prequel story of how he got what he got that you could probably pull off and you want to take anything away from the, from the character. As no. far as like showing how he got into the psychology field, maybe what drove him to like say, you know what, I want to eat people. You know what I mean? I feel like you could find a story there that doesn't take away any mistake of the character we know. I love the implication of your version of it. Like, you know what, I'm bored. Let's try cannibalism. Yes. That would be my story. He's just bored one day and he he ate people. Um, you could even have it be a fucking I'm sure I am sure in today's fucking social climate, you could have it be a twist on the rich eating the fucking poor. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ, the purge has technically gone down that route several times with their sequels. Um, True, but Lecter has always been rich. So like you can't really do that. Yeah, that's true too. But I'm just saying, like there I feel like there is a story there. And this wasn't that because this story feels more like this is why he wouldn't want to eat people. You know what I mean? Like that's what it translates more to than anything. Yeah, I agree. All right. Now I know it sounds like people probably kind of find a damn thing. I like this film, but I'm sure I know I found one little nugget. I'm sure you did too. So with that, let's um, talk about several linings. What did, uh, what's the one positive you took away from this? All right. This could be completely incorrect, but this is what I caught from it um there's a bit of score uh throughout the movie i think it's like hannibal's theme that sounds a lot like the music from the silence of the lambs and i wonder if they repurposed a bit of score to kind of amplify the character and if so awesome if not i still like the score so the music is my silver lining that's good okay um i didn't i didn't catch that so i'm just gonna take your word for it like I said, I could be completely way off. But. Yeah, uh, I didn't see anything on the trivia, so I got I got nothing to, to back you up on that. 
uh, for me, and it's what I texted you because I got really excited. It's uh, the small role played by Richard Brake. Just because, as you know, I, I love this guy. He's a great character actor. To me, he's always a welcome addition to any film he pops up in. He, he always plays just an out-there character and he brings it. And, you know, me and Josh had the, the lucky opportunity to meet him at a convention. And the dude's a generally, like, really cool fucking dude. Tall as fuck. Um, but really cool dude. I, I love this guy so much. He would make a fantastic Freddy Krueger. Oh, my God, yes. Somebody's got to pitch that. That, or I, I'd argue maybe even fantastic work for me on this Joker. Oh, you know, I don't have to work with you on that. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the face for it. He's got the menace. He's got the stature. That would be badass. Yeah. I, he would be really cool, but I think for me, I get the idea when we were talking to him that he just really likes the, the character acting stuff he does. He seems very, very happy um, with that. And seeing how embraced he, especially in the more recent years, how embraced he's become in the horror genre, our fans love him, like, he's fine. But he, I can see him as Freddy Krueger. He'll always be Portman to me. Yes. Oh, yeah, trust me. I remember when... Uh, I was first going to that Crypticon. That so was for sure. I went with Josh, and I saw that Richard Brake was there, and I, I like freaked out. I was like, "Oh my god!" Josh was like, "What?" I'm like, "The dude at the time was like the guy from Doom. He's the dude from Doom." <laughs> I was like really excited. I was like, "He's like, oh, Richard Brake was like yes." So yeah, Josh was like, "All right, well, we'll stop at his table." I was like, "Yes, yes, we will." <laughs> That's cool, man. I'm yeah, glad you got, actually, to, got to meet him. He's, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, he actually sat next to um, one of the zombie regulars um, at the Crypticon. The guy who used to play the caveman. The guy who commercials that zombie powers a lot now for his stuff. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. I don't know his name, but that's... Uh, that's yeah, his, yeah, his, God damn, his name is me. I feel bad, but he actually was sat next to them and they were like piling around the whole time. It was really funny. Um, and it was actually kind of funny because like we actually barely talked about movies because he asked us what we did when he told us military he got really interested like quick it was no longer like hey let me let us ask you cool stuff about movies it was like you guys are in the navy how do you guys usually deploy like i mean just questions went after the other to us like really fucking cool dude that's awesome celebrity interactions where they turn out to be really nice and cool and interesting is is the best to have that moment of like oh they, they were cool that's, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. He he was blown away when we told him how long the deployments usually are. So we were like seven months, and I like his eyes got wide, and he was like, "I can't imagine doing that." Because I think he said he has like two uh, teenage boys. But she's like, when she jokes like, "Don't get me wrong." He's like, "I like doing movies to get away from them because they're teenagers." He's like, "I want to go home eventually." Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's great. I, got a really yeah. cool I don't know if I've showed you the picture I have with them, but I got a, I, I can send it to you after this. I got a picture on my phone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I figured he was going to be your uh, your silver lining. He, he's cool. And yeah, in this, yeah. he's such a, a creep in this. And his death is particularly grisly. He just popped. <laughs> he gets a fucking brutal death. And then Lecter eats him. Yeah. Nice. So again, apparently, you get the taste for 
cannibal. It's, nah. it's like when he was done, he's like, you know what? That was fun. I wish I could do this all the time. But only rude people, because that's what these guys were. They were rude to me and my sister. Yeah. Rude is an understatement. Well, that's that's always what he goes after. He kills the rude. And we don't really see much. I mean, apart from the butcher, who's like, you know, Japanese pussies sideways, except for that guy. Uh, he doesn't really go after any more rude. This is uh, this is true. He did technically go after Graham. He wasn't rude. He just found out his identity because he's lazy. Yeah, you're either <laughs> you're either rude or you you find something out. He's gonna kill you. Yeah, you know, one could argue Lecter was lazy in that moment. It was all on him. Yeah, don't leave incriminating evidence on your bookshelf when the cop is sniffing around. Just that's yeah. that's you know, murder one hundred and one. Yeah, saying especially if he's supposed to be a lauded detective like he was in that movie. It bugs me so much that he's just writing like code words in his recipe book, like sweetbreads. Like, why would he do that? He knows what they are. He doesn't need that. <sighs> anyway. Damn it, Lecter. But with that, now it's time to move on to the next section. The one that we like to know of what's in the box. I don't, I'm not going to my words today. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what's in the box. Quite a lot of love for French hottie Gaspard Uliel. A lot of them were like, this movie sucked, but damn, he was hot. And I had to wade through a lot of that shit to find some some gold nuggets here. I mean, look, on the flip side of it, as a guy attracted to women, I've, I've sat through many a shitty film and I was like, this film sucks, but she's hot. True. I know, because that tends to be <laughs> the first thing you tell me. When you watch a movie, it's like, yeah, they were hot. It's like, yeah. Let's <laughs> yep. objectify some men for once. <laughs> what do you think of the movie? Eh, just Kabil was hot. All right. Good, good uh, observation. <laughs> uh, well, here's what some people had to say. I've got four for you. One of which is a, I thought, hilarious rant about how much this person hated this movie. But we'll save that for last. Uh, number one, this is from Jamie Girac. Why does Reese Evans get stuck playing the villain in every franchise's worst movie? Two and a half stars. I believe they're referencing The Amazing Spider-Man, in which Reese Evans played the lizard. Oh, so yeah. I was just saying that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. The lizard. <laughs> Damn, yeah. He needs to do better with his villain roles. In oh, yeah. Franchises, at least. Yeah. He also played Luna Lovegood's dad in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 which you could argue kind of the lesser of the, the two finales and kind of, you know, interesting role for him. Yeah. But I mean, I, I like all the Harry Potter movies. I know at the time, I think I gave like the Goblet of Fires, like a better view. And I was like, I look around and I go, why did I do that? Cause I actually do really like that movie. Yeah. I think I asked you that at the time and you were like, fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't look, you know me, I double down when I have to. I know. Believe me. I, I know. I have my turnarounds on my own turn on my own damn terms and time. I know you expect me to have my turnarounds on your time as well. Exactly, it's all on my time <laughs> and terms. Number two, uh, this is from Klingon at Moon Noticer. 
Missed the first 30 minutes of this hunting for a replacement part for my girlfriend's bong. Then another 30 going, why does Hannibal have a gun? Why is Hannibal a twink and his detective hunter a daddy? Why does Hannibal have a girlfriend? And above all, why did he spread mayonnaise on the rope? So yeah, great movie. Almost felt like a diet Pepsi version of talented Mr. Ripley in that there was a murder twink in Europe being sexy and ramping himself himself up into a sexually charged murderous fervor, but worse. Three and a half stars. <laughs> it went on for so long. Why was there? Yeah, the man is on the rope. Good question. I don't know what the fuck that was. I, I didn't understand that either. I lost <laughs> it. I lost it at Diet Pepsi version of Talented Mr. Ripley. I really lost me. So I, I spent the first 30 minutes looking for a replacement part for my girlfriend's bong. <laughs> first off, look. I would not allude to, I would not be direct in my, my past uh, usage of items, but what the fuck did you break in a bong that you had to get that part replaced? I don't know, but they spent 30 minutes looking for it. Yeah, especially if, like, depending on when that review was written, where did you go to get the replacement? The letterbox isn't that old, so it's only like a year old maybe two years okay that's funny though that is yeah i <laughs> i see a, a twink or whatever he said like jesus yeah hannibal's a twink his detective hunter's a daddy i love it after that three and a half stars yeah for <laughs> all that would watch it again yeah number three this was just hilarious to me this is from mina once you pop, you can't stop. Three stars. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Murder, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, boy. Once you pop, you can't stop. All right. All right. And now for the, the beautiful rant from Kian Henderson Crowley. Whew. Did, did I just watch a cheap knockoff of Batman Begins starring Hannibal fucking Lecter? I thought Hannibal's 2001 attempted deconstruction of the character was a meaningless exercise, but dear Christ, this prequel is a void of bullshit. Why the hell is samurai training suddenly a core influence in his origin? Hannibal donning the mouth guard as if it's some badass superheroic assertion was so unbelievably stupid that it broke any immersion gained from the somewhat affecting wartime opening scenes. This moment got nothing more than a derisive giggle out of me. I'll give Hannibal Rising this. It's surprisingly well shot, and the fate of Hannibal's sister genuinely shocked me to my core. Apart from the cinematography and momentary shock value, it's irredeemably unnecessary. Hannibal works as an inexplicable monolith of psych psychopathy. Attempting to rationalize the character from our sane perspective defeats his whole purpose. How did the series dive off a cliff like this? The fact that Thomas Harris is responsible for fucking up his own source material makes this even more egregious. This movie can go eat shit for wasting my time. Maybe the first film I've turned off out of sheer displeasure. I hate myself for my completionism. Half a star. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, this movie hurt you. That last statement that I hate myself for my collusionism, I want you to know that I identify with that so fucking hard. Because <laughs> if anyone hasn't know learned at this point, I'm a fucking completionist with my movie series for the most part. And uh, 
Yeah, it's been me in the ass more times than I can count. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a completionist in terms of watching the movies, but not owning them like like you have. Thank oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if I don't like the movie, I'm not going to buy it. That's that's the end of it for me. No, I buy it. You've seen my collection. I have, and I've often asked, like, why do you have this? Are you ever going to actually watch this again? And how many times have I told you it's part of the series? Every time. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you might be the only person on Earth who owns Halloween Resurrection on (laughs) Blu-ray. You're goddamn right I do. (laughs) In both cuts of Halloween uh, Curse of Michael Miles legally, because I know for a long time it was bootleg, but legally own both cuts. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, this person, I love that it touched on so much that we brought up, like the fucking samurai thing, the, the mask, like the lack of psychoanalysis, like it just encompassed everything we were talking about and we didn't, like, I didn't plan that. It's, 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 well, because like all you have to do is literally watch the prior three films and go, what the hell happened? Like, it literally, you can watch this one if you and you've like, if you do a marathon, right? And you watch them, you get this one, like, everything that made made to be like as a part of the franchise for the first three films is completely gone in this one. Yeah, whenever I do a marathon, I just stick to the Hopkins trilogy, I don't bother with Manhunter or Hannibal Rising or the show. Uh, also. 2.5 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd. So one point higher than our last two films. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. That's what's in the box. That's okay. Well, before I reveal what's going on next week, then let's, as usual, the social media uh, stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm.gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in any way, you can find us on Anchor. And then finally, feel free to go on our website, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, and all of our episodes. With that out of the way, next week we will be tackling our first bad Marvel film for the show, the Ben Affleck starring Daredevil. That's right, not the TV show that we all loved for like three seasons where Netflix unceremoniously canceled it. Uh, the Ben Affleck movie. Okay. Spoiler alert. I fucking love this movie. So uh, it's going to be hard for me to kind of tear it apart, but I will do my best. I have a soft spot for this film. If you could do it, if I can do it for Doom, you can do it for Daredevil. Don't give me that shit. I I like Doom as well. I know. I'm saying if you could do it for Doom, we can do it for Daredevil. Well, you can do it for Daredevil. I I can easily do it for Daredevil. I admit it's a terrible movie, but it's a, it's a, it's a movie I enjoy, but I am going to enjoy finally going after Ben Affleck directly. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> oh, God damn it, Ben Affleck! Don't ever for anyone who's in a relationship, don't follow his trajectory with that. Don't Most blame your kids for your debilitating alcoholism and then hook up with your ex. Yeah, right. Do that. <laughs> nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, because we're not rich and famous, your ex doesn't want you back. Yeah, usually your ex isn't fucking Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, for Filmgasm, uh, Christian will be back 
to tackle a foreign horror heavyweight, as I as I put in my notes, The Orphanage. A film that if you're lucky, unlike me, you don't know the twist, which means avoid online anything until you watch it so you can enjoy. Unlike me, who hasn't seen it, but knows the fucking twist. Well, that's not bad at all. I'm looking forward to watching this for the first time completely blind. I know nothing about this movie beyond that Guillermo del Toro produced it. That's all I got. Lucky son of a bitch. Supposed to be a really good movie. I know that much. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to take a moment to realize I, god damn it, I'm always so good about not getting spoilers. And then somehow this one escaped the crack. (sighs) On Oscar Sunday, I'll be joining uh, Connor and Austin to wrap up our kind of impromptu handle week we've been having on Filmgasm Productions and doing the film that started it all, the, the one to rule them all the silence of the lambs yeah it's our very special 100th episode of oscar sunday so we wanted to do something big something exciting and our other shows are supporting it so that's why we did elector week yes so i cannot wait to talk silence especially after having to sit through this film i cannot wait to uh pull out my criterion of Silence and watch that to do all my notes taking one eye. It's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to it big time. Same. Yeah. And finally, on sneak preview, we'll be taking a much deserved break after some uh after our epic weekend of film and doing something quite fun, I think, since neither of us wants to watch the newest Liam Neeson actioner known as memory, or you could honestly just call it taking 50 and it changes nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We'll tell you what it is, I believe, when the show actually airs, I believe, when we're saving the surprise. Yep. Yep. I like to keep these in the dark in case we at the last minute decide to change our minds so we're not tied down to anything. It's because we're just fickle bitches over here. Until then, if you're fighting in a war and have to be uh, holed up in a random family's house, think twice before resorting to one of the children. So something might grow up to hunt you down and eat you instead. See you all next week on Beyond the Bed.